What is up, mutants and humans alike? My name is Kyle, I'm with Danny, and we are going into Marauders issue number five this week. So I switched from cannabis to beer, as the swashbuckler should do, right? Oh yeah, you're, you're playing the theme well, buddy. Good, good synergization. <laughs> so I'm good. Um... On a side note, I don't. I've been I've been on a like a spot downward spiral of uh, just like letting all the impulses just take over during this quarantine. There's like no self control whatsoever happening. I mean, there's a lot of safety nets put in uh, structurally by uh, government bodies. So I mean, you might as well. I mean, you don't have to pay rent. You're getting unemployment. Like, just take it all. Just ride that ride that train. <laughs> Embody what it's like to just let go, Kyle. <laughs> that's that's what I'm doing right now. You're gonna pull a bender, <laughs> and you're gonna smoke cigars and eat nachos until you die. <laughs> <laughs> to that one song that he would always dance to, that uh, that shake your body till the break of dawn. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Such a terrible song, but, but such a true uh, echo to absence, uh, abscess. It is, and that's my life right now, definitely. You don't uh, want to make that your ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, just a just a salute to gluttony. Hedonism. Hedonism. Um, last uh, last Marauders issue. Uh, we, what is this, five? So four, four, right. we went, we went in a, we, we, we got, uh, the Miss Zhao's, uh, husband, uh, which she proclaimed was missing and was all the mutants' fault that he is missing, uh, the, they found, uh, they being Kitty and Bishop found, sorry, Kate and Bishop Ooh. found. Don't, don't call her Kitty. Don't call it Uh They found Mr. Zhao just hanging out, uh, pr- imprisoned in his own home, probably by his wife, or definitely by his wife. Uh, so they uncovered that mystery real quick. And, um, and he's super fanatical about mutants. Like, he loves mutants. He literally worships them. He's a part yes. of that whole mutant cult he's mentality. The Order, Order of X member, yes. Yeah. Quasi, yeah, because the... Some members of the Order of the X seem a little more, you know, uh, less fundamental. They're not about eating mutants to celebrate them. <laughs> yeah, some just want to have sex with them. Yeah, and then others just want to literally imbibe them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Tastes like Wolverine. And then we were introduced to the uh, Hellfire Brats, right, as well? Yeah, the Hellfire Brats, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a group of billionaire children that are more annoying and less threatening. Yes. Very annoying. We'll see how they play out. Uh, I mean, we see how they play out. And it's... Yeah. It's, it's, it's I mean, the concept of, of ruthless billionaire children, it's like, we've seen it done in real life society. That's not as threatening as, like, say, someone like like old school Sabretooth or something like that. Like, those people are ruthless. Those characters are ruthless. Like, Lady Deathstrike, they're ruthless, and they do fucked up things. These kids, like, try too hard to be ruthless, and they're just like, look how fucking aggressive and fucked up we are, and we're just children, and we're rich. 
look at this. And it's like that gimmick is already worn out. Even before they brought them back, it was worn out. And now they're just like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Play it out, son. Play it out. We'll see how they, uh, yeah, it's, it's whatever. Um, but we're getting it. Here it is. So strap yourself in to your boat. Get your favorite rum. Um, other pirate references and Oyster Jolly Roger. <laughs> Oyster Jolly Roger. Yeah. And uh, strap in because this is gonna be a this is gonna be an all right uh, issue. Just an all right issue, folks. And shiver me timbers. We start in. In the Arctic. In the Arctic, yes, we do, folks. In the Arctic, we we land, and uh, while we're here, we're just hanging out, and all of a sudden, we get uh, the submarine, and it's uh, the White White Queen's uh, vessel, right? Yeah, that's a. I think that's a, her digs. Well, I mean, her brother's uh, piloting it right now, Christian Frost. It's Christian Frost is taking it out for a spin. Yeah. After and... he took Iceman out for a spin. Whoa! Oh, oh. oh. oh shut yourself in, folks, because there's going to be a lot of gay references throughout this issue. Yep. Um, that's, <laughs> that's happening. That's happening. And probably with that, a little bit of Bendis hate. Yep. Because they don't want to let what Bendis does die. They want to double down on it. I mean, you got to, right? That's the thing with telling the bi- biggest story in the world or the longest story in the world is you got to run with it. Every once in a while, you're going to get an, a writer that's going to do some weird shit, but well, that's that's it now. It's like life. It's like uh, it's almost like life, man. Shit, shit happens. And now... You get scarred, the scars remain. <laughs> you get cut, the scars remain. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep them. Got to keep them. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's like some wildfires happening in the Arctic, right? And we get this boat, it pops up, and out of the out of it we get Christian Frost and we get Iceman himself. And Iceman's wearing uh Christian Frost's uh robe. Um pretty much saying that someone I don't know which one, because I don't know their sexual situation, but someone got fucked. And they got fucked hard. Maybe they, they switch it or you know, someone I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's, it's hard to tell on this one. Uh, just based off of the fact that Iceman's wearing the robe, it seems like Christian Frost is rocking the dominance in this situation, personally. But I don't know. I don't so you know. say you Iceman's the power bottom? I th- it's it's a t- just in this situation, right? Like, if you look at the whole like uh, Marvel universe, I would say like clearly Iceman would be the more dominant person. But like, if you just look at this panel itself, where like you know. You get Iceman in that robe with uh, Christian Frost still in his like suit. You know the woman, almost like that, taking on that feminine feminine role in old fifties films where they're always in the like lingerie and the, the guys in the suit menacing. Uh, so um, he's, he's a top then. Frost is all top. <laughs> Frost, Frost is all top. I don't know. I'm just guessing. These are just guessing games. So we got to go talk to Jerry Dugan to know this. Yeah, let's go. Who's pitching and catching here? I need yeah. to know. <laughs> so next time, next time you go to a panel, if you ever go to, if there are such things as panels in the future, yeah, see Jerry Dugan on a panel. You just ask him, like, who fucked who? Christian Frost or or 
or Iceman, and you don't let it go. You don't let it go. If he tries to wipe that brush that question off, you say, no, good sir, I came here, I bought my ticket to this con, you tell me who fucked who. <laughs> yes, I like the deeds, man. I like the deeds. <laughs> you put something. You put this on on display for us all, so you gotta you gotta you can't just back away now. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah, they're hanging out um in the Arctic, uh, and we get Iceman kind of showing off, right? He he starts like a blizzard, a little a little slurry to to the, set the mood a little bit, right? He's the coolest guy on earth. Right. Oh jeez. It's weird, weird, uh, weird banter. Little, little, uh, little, little too much. But uh, here we are, them hanging out. They're back, at, but they're back uh, under underground, I guess, or back submerged. Sub, yeah, yeah. Submerged. Yeah. He he's like enough with your enough with your wildfires, because he called it a. Apparently, there's some sort of anthro anthropocene. Like that's how it's pronounced, anthropocene. Anthropocene, yeah. It's like a. It's supposed to signify an era where geographical climate change and geographical change has been impacted by, basically, human uh, tinkering, malfeasances, uh, impact, if you will. And this is them trying to correct that, which is kind of funny, because like you could say that the mutants function in a similar way, but they don't see themselves as human, so. Uh, and it's funny too because Christian Frost notes that Iceman used the word that that he like used in his head, then he said it out loud, and he like put him on blast for it. Where he's like, "Dude, you can't stop dropping that word ever since you've learned it, man. Like, take <laughs> it easy. We get it. You learned a new word." And you know, Bobby's been kind of known for being kind of like a, a simple, kind of to the point kind of guy. Like where he yeah. he has his dumb puns, but he's also not super verbose. So. It's it's funny seeing him also or the the characters in the story make fun of this change in Bobby. Yeah, um, it's interesting, and uh, essentially they're kind of uh, going back and forth. And the meat and potatoes of their conversation is the fact that uh, more or less, are you afraid of the fact that we are tra- the Marauder contains people that can't go through the portal and thus can't or may possibly not be able to get resurrected, more or less. Referring mainly to Kate, right? Yeah, yeah, which Christian refers to as Kitty, and, and oh. it's all butthurt. He's like, your name is Kate now. He's like, call it Kate. Oh, God, it's like, so now we're doing people complaining to other people about the name, like, packing order. It's like, now that we're not even doing the people directly involved with the name we're doing the people that are like adjacent to them are now complaining about titles and and monikers it's like oh my god we're doing this again it's really heavy in the marauders issues i've noticed always with the the it's in yeah yeah definitely marauders a little bit next caliber but definitely marauders a lot um look at how good look at this gauche motherfucker with a piano on a submarine I like that. And then, like, right adjacent to him is like a margarita bar with like four like margarita mixers and like blenders and stuff. Oh, they juicing hard. Yeah. Oh man, it's juice tastic. Mm-hmm. Gotta get a good juice on, you know. Get that a uh, nice high fiber life insert. Gay joke. Yada yada. Yep. How about uh, that kale? <laughs> how about that kale? Uh... All right, but let's 
continue. Welcome to the club. Mutants around the world are flocking to the island nation of Krakoa for safety, security, and to be part of the first mutant society. Captain Kate Pride is settling into her new role as Red Queen of the Hellfire Trading Company. The organizations responsible for distributing Krakoa's life-saving pharmaceuticals to friendly nations around the world. <coughs> Meanwhile, Kate and her crew smuggle mutants out of enemy nations. A list that grows longer every day. <laughs> that was very pirate of you to accent it with Belch. Yes, it was, it was a necessity. Um, and we skip to we cut to the hellfire bay and this motherfucker was banging freaking Iceman the whole time he should have been at a meeting this asshole yeah Yeah. he put the meeting on hold because he had a cornhole Iceman Uh, and what a meeting too like look at this 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 gathering it's on top of like this weird like like plateau of of like grass on on like the the edge of like some sort of it's like a like water yeah like a yeah yeah um pretty epic pretty intense it seems like it's gonna break off any day now yeah it's got a, <laughs> it's got a cool uh cylindrical stairs that kind of go around it up into the meeting place like i mm. like it hey if you're gonna if you're gonna run a, a meeting you might as well run it fancy because that's how they do things in krakoa Exactly. And we see Christian Frost make up an excuse. I had a distress call. Distress call from Mother Nature. Hi, Larius. Um That's a cold that's code for my dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, geez. that's what I call my dick. Distress call. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, they're kind of uh, talking about uh, what is it called, like Madripoor, pretty much, and like the whole thing, the whole issues that's been happening around Madripoor lately. Uh, kind of right. Yeah, yeah, I think that that was the the transition that they're getting into is that Madripoor used to be pretty um, pro mutant, and now that they've changed, something is up, and so they're going to have to investigate it. And figure out what's going on because they have people that they were going to try and smuggle out of Madripoor that were mutants. Yeah, and uh, does it seem? It seems like because uh, Sebastian's kind of mentioning this, and he's kind of coming from a point of view where it's like it doesn't seem like it matters that much. But then, like Kate's like, "Well, let's take a vote and just see if it matters." More or less, and then they vote, and they're like, "You see, Emma Frost and uh, both Kate kind of vote on it." They're like, all right, let's go, uh, let's go serve uh, Madripoor. Let's go help them. Well, yeah, because uh, like Sebastian doesn't want to send Shinobi to do it. He wants Kate to go do it, and he's just and, and Kitty's just like, "I'm not having this." Like, let's vote on it, and her and Emma back it. Christian abstains, and they go, "Well, that's two votes and one abstain. Looks like Shinobi's off." <laughs> yep. And still yeah. makes this funny joke about like I thought I pissed my father off. These ladies, <laughs> yeah, they're on next level. They're on a next level indeed. Um, and it's always funny seeing Sebastian Shaw kind of baby, babe, kind of pussyfoot, and be like a baby. He's pouty. He's very pouty. Yeah, he's very pouty and very just kind of arrogant and just being an asshole. And it just seems like he's stuck in one mode, like one mindset. It feels like 
another thing like where with mystique it just seems weird that they have them around and that they're being the way they are and no one's like focusing on it i get that emma's doing her best to like rein him in and keep him under control but i feel like her arrogance is going to cause her to underestimate him and he's going to be a thorn in all the mutants side in some way just like the arrogance that they're underestimating mystique with yep oh mystique i'm excited to get to that but kind of <laughs> that could <laughs> that could be exciting. That also could just be really just like, ugh, just like we all saw this coming, and it's just so painful that it still happened. <laughs> uh, you're watching the burn. You're trying to put that burn heel on, but it's not helping. Yeah, and that's only the mystique. The only thing Mystique's really good at is betraying people. <laughs> that's really. It. We've seen how effective she's good at infiltrating. She just they just shoot her out into a vacuum of space. <laughs> sure. Um, but we cut to uh, what looks like uh, the Red Keep, pretty much, right? Yeah, she's stocked with all her repairs and uh, pirate Dude, look, chests and nautical equipment. She has a cask full of repairs. Uh, and and look at that. she's sleeping with like the the repairs above her bed too. Like, oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. just dangerous. Talk about like you know Xavier and his sword of Damocles hanging over him. Kitty's like, I got two swords. <laughs> There's twice as much on my head. <laughs> yeah. Way to one up them. Um, and we got Lockheed just chilling on the bed. Oh, he's like a kitty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just kind of like cheersing. They're they're toasting. They're drinking. Um, and Kitty's uh, Kate's just like to women's work, pretty much like. Because they're 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 in control of the situation. Sebastian Shaw is pretty much in check, being keep, kept in check at the moment, at least. Yeah. Um, and as they toast, uh, we we see Emma talk in Kokoan to her, which I tried to translate this, and I don't understand it. Slant, 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 slant. S L A I N T E is what that translated into. Salute, maybe. Salutes, maybe? Is, is there like like they're saying cheers? Like uh I don't know. It was weird. I tried to tra- I tried to translate it. I don't know. Sometimes this doesn't make sense. Yeah. I I don't know if it's necessarily foolproof, but I, what what does Katie try to say and when she tries to figure out um how to say it, something? Because you notice in the next panel where she's like here and then uh-huh. She gives her like she gives oh. her the psychic update. Yeah. Let's see. That'll take me a second. Because I, I talk was about looking, the scene while well, I while well, I was looking in. I was looking into like like trying to figure it out just roughly, and I I couldn't grasp this one either. But it just seems like that there's this whole like overlook about how they never program Kitty because she never went through. And so real quick, Emma is going, and she's like, "Oh, by the way, here here's the entire alphabet." And I like Kitty's response because she says she was like, "I was having trouble with the th. It's it's a bit of a trip to sound it <laughs> yeah. out." And I was, <laughs> that's so funny. Your dialect is so weird. I was just trying to pick it up from listening and like hearing people, but thanks anyways. G R A, and then C. I think she's gonna say gracias. Oh, there you go. Would be my guess. Or gracious? I don't know. Hold on, let me keep going for a sec. Uh, Yeah, gracious. I think she's trying to get her gracious. All right. 
which is interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, so so she's pretty much like she, we're 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 making note that like Kitty still doesn't understand the language. She hasn't been on Krakow too much. She can't go through the portal still. Uh, so she wonders if it if the uh, resurrection resurrection protocols will work for her as well because the protocol the exactly. portals don't work. Exactly, and that's the question. Will the resurrection protocols work on her if she cannot go through the portals? And uh, she mentions she's scared, and Emma's a little afraid. They have kind of a moment together. Um, yeah, Emma's is way less like important because she's like, Kitty's like, I wonder if I'll resurrect. And Emma's like, I wonder which knows I'll resurrect with. Uh... <laughs> which is like I, I know Emma's vain and I understood that I mean she the way she carries herself and the people she surrounds her with they're all bourgeois on how they approach their their yeah. their appearance but I never knew that Emma had a fake nose that's kind of a a funny reveal and that she's worried if she'll get resurrected with her original <laughs> what a worry Kitty's like I wonder if I'll even come back at all Emma's yeah. like, yeah, but what if I come back with the wrong nose? <laughs> <laughs> that vain son of a bitch. And, I, and they have like an endearing moment where they're trying to comfort each other. But I, I kind of, if I was Katie, I'd be a little pissed. I'd be like, yeah, fuck your nose. Yeah, dude. fuck your this nose. This is my life. <laughs> Who gives a shit about your nose? You get to come back. I will never yeah. come back, motherfucker. And then she makes this comment, which is totally out of character, where she goes, sometimes I wonder how my life would have turned out if I had to pick the professor instead of you. And this is hearkening back to when Kitty was originally joining the uh, X-Men and yeah. uh, the Hellfire Club was trying to tap her as well. Exactly. Trying to recruit her to one of the Hellions. And, and this is stupid because the answer would have been, it would have turned out bad because all of the Hellions yeah. died. Oh. They were and bad. they were all terrible people. They weren't and they good at all, the time. Yeah, even Emma Frost was a terrible person. And it's just so, it's like, are you an idiot, Catherine? Like, what is this comment? Like, what are you saying? No, no, that's like shallow as fuck. You're not looking at the whole picture here. What is up with Jerry Dugan's writing? Like, he's not, like, it feels like he's just trying to force the narrative of like, oh, these characters are like best friends now or like mother and daughter kind of role. Are like sisters, like they're so close, and they would have been if they'd have been given the chance to just know each other earlier on, but they never did because this oppressive man professor was in the way. And it's like, what? <laughs> if we could have just bonded as, as women, you know, and got to experience each other and like appreciate each other, we could have turned things could have turned out different. You know, I might have been dead. <laughs> But we never got to know it. Oh, fooey. I've seen this. Well, they've. it's been around for at least five years. I've seen this kind of relationship they're trying to push between the two. But have you seen this before then at all? I, I don't even think it was that close because when um, – not even that long ago, less than five years ago when they were doing the Avengers vs. X-Men um, kind of crossover. That was like I think four years ago. Kitty was like anti-backing um, uh, Emma. Like, she was, like, totally trying to be, like, no, Emma, like, we can't take on the Inhumans. They were trying to prop her up as, like, the voice of reason. She was just going off and doing, like, weird Guardian of the Galaxy stuff, and they were trying to rebrand her into being the new Star-Lord, which, super weird. weird. Super another, weird. Another, another Bendis. Yep. Thing. Bendis uh, at finest. Yep. Um... I know in uh, the, uh... Remember the, uh... The wedding issue about a year and a half ago between kitty and uh, colossus 
there was there was a huge issue where she went on a uh, she went on a bachelor wet party party and oh. she finds she finds like a gift and it's like a long it's a it's a gift it's like a I forget what the gift is but it came with a letter and it was a long letter and it was like just ha- it was it was from Emma and she was just ha- it was the between it was just like kind of like talking it was her kind of taking this motherly role towards uh towards kitty and i've seen this a couple of times in previous like it's within the past five years but i was just like where did this come from yeah because i I definitely like a decade ago it was not there at all they were they were two radically different people and they didn't see eye to eye i i don't know it just never felt like this was an organic turn for her character but once again we're talking about stuff that's echoing from bendis's writing so there you go. There's a new organic is the last thing on that list. <laughs> Ham fisted and fuck your fucking cano- canonical history. That's what this is writing. You got canon? Time to throw that shit away. <laughs> <laughs> we have no time for that shit. Yeah. Get the shit out of here. What? 60 years of building a story? Get that shit out of here. I don't need that. Your character dynamics and plots and and history, like, that's just in my way. It's mucking up my story. (laughs) Fact-checking. No. (laughs) No, good sir. No, good sir. Uh, But Emma just mentions, don't, 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 don't ruminate on the past. We have a pretty sexy moment. I don't think it was meant to be sexy, but I find it sexy. It was meant to be. It was meant to be more of like an endearing, like peck on the cheek, like you know, like like you said, the mother daughter role. Yeah. But the amount of cleavage. Yeah. The yeah. amount of cleavage in the scene sends a really. <laughs> and if it's in, it's already propped up as being a mother daughter kind of scenario. So this kind of art direction, I'm gonna put it on the art direction, was a bad call. It's a really I know I know Game of Thrones was popular and everyone's into the incest nowadays, but this is really weird. <laughs> it's just like thanks mom. Now I'm gonna put out my boobs and, and mack you on the cheek. <laughs> yeah. And uh and uh she walks away and pretty much says like what we were saying. Yeah, that would have been a bad choice if you left with me. She says, uh I was barely a woman myself and would have utterly destroyed you. Yeah, see, it's like even Emma is siding with us. Like, she's like, yeah, that would have been a terrible idea. Like, it would have ruined your life. You would have literally died. Like, the rest of the Hellions. Yeah. The rest of the Hellions died. Like, they all came back in the Necrotia arc because they were like, who do we have to resurrect? Oh, the Hellions. They're all dead. Let's bring them back as zombie enemies. <laughs> it's yeah. a perfect theme to take from. There we go. So, yeah, that's it's funny because that's like the reality check. And I'm like, well, I'm glad at least Emma gets it. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. Kitty just seems to not have good footing, and it's more illustrated by the fact that she's literally fading through the ground. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Talk about not having good footing. Hey. Uh, there you go. There's a physical representation of what I'm feeling her character is being represented as. <laughs> um, but yeah, they go meet uh, the the people they just rescued, I imagine, from the last issue. Um. Or that's what that's what Emma says. Let's go meet. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a hodgepodge of them and like the other mutants kind of reintegrating. Because you got Pixie there. She wasn't rescued, so. True. Um, but yeah, we cut to uh kind of this like party it looks like an arcade. Yeah, like a quasi arcade setup, kinda 
the you got that air hockey table that's like inter, interlaced with that uh, Krakoan binary. So I like that. It's like they opened a, a Chuck E. Cheese or a Dave and Buster's in one of the in one of the sex tent like facilities. Yeah. It's <laughs> making like a or no, they opened their own YMCA for kids. <laughs> oh, such a bad idea. But they're hanging out here, and uh, as they're hanging out, um, we get a uh, we get ah oh, man. Pyro and that tattoo. We oh, get py- garbage tattoo. Right? Yeah, we get Pyro kind of coming up, and he's just like, "Yo, I got a distress call. Uh, the upstart got into a huge fight in Madripoor Bay." And Kitty's just all like, "That sounds horrible." And then Emma chimes in. She's all like, "Indeed, Shinobi Shaw named his boat the Upstart." Psh. Just like <laughs> not paying attention about the situation. Just like, do you hear this name? How terrible this name is? Fuck the fact that people might be dying. That yeah. name. Uh-uh. Terrible. That kind of plays more on like I feel like her hubris and her arrogance against the Shaws is gonna be her undoing in some ways. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely still like they're building up to like, oh gosh, you know, I'm gonna shit on everything Shaw. There's no way that's gonna come back and bite me. And then when it does, she's going to be like, oh, man, I can't believe I didn't see this coming. (laughs) And then I'm going to be pissed because I'm like, yeah, I fucking saw it coming for like 12 issues. It was the worst slow burn ever. Yeah. Uh... But they go through the portal, except for Kate, right? Wait, just Kate? It's kind of a weird... uh direction here they're kind of running away right and yeah, we get through to... their x-men the traditional x-men and exit where yeah. everyone uses their unique way of traveling kind of thing like oh i love that yeah that was a very x-men s like to me my x-men kind of like and they're all just running off doing their thing ice man sliding away and storms yep. flying off you know exactly um and then we see some of them go through the portal and then kitty just kind of pops up which is weird yeah, uh, I, I didn't understand how she got there so fast. I was a little put off, too. Yeah, and as this is happening, we kind of see Shinobi Shaw just kind of watch him. He's like, Shabash- yeah. Shabash- or Sebastian, sorry, Sebastian yeah. Shaw. And he's just kind of watching. He's like, yeah, yeah, go help go help them. And as he does this, he goes off uh, through a portal himself. Where? We'll find out. Um, but we cut to top secret eyes only. From the X desk. Hold up, though. Quick gripe on the artwork. Did you notice before he walked away in that panel above it? Do you see how they do subterfuge on the back of uh, Sebastian? The and... uh, the dot, the kind of the the dot pattern. Yeah, that's. Uh, not looks, a fan of that. It looks like I'm in Photoshop, and then I'm not done with this image yet. <laughs> like I'm still editing it. That's funny. Yeah, I thought it looked really weird because then the panel next to it, he looks great. Like, it has all that, like, darkness around him with the cross-hatching, and I, I actually like that one, but then the one to the left of it made it look, look so bad and so undone. You don't like the the uh, the dot toning? A lot of mangas do that. Uh, or, it, yeah, it's done a lot in mangas more so than you see in, uh, I guess, American comics. You see a little bit in the top panel with Kitty, too. Yeah, I guess you're right, Shadow. And that works. That works when it's not on a person, but when it's on a person, it looks mm. really bad. It looks like you you like you accidentally like erased a layer, and you see that background layer in Photoshop, and you're just like, "Oops, my image." No <laughs> 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 opacity's too high. My bad. Because you see it peppered in his hair too, and it just looks bad. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I, it, and it looks even worse when contrasted with the panel right next to it. Like, yeah. But I do like Sebastian Shaw's like whole approach of like, yes, good, good. All is going according to Shaw. <laughs> and walks away. That's pretty much what he's doing, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> back to the uh, the the desk of it, the X desk. Back which, to the S X desk, which uh, hopefully is shaped like an X. Like, hopefully that's how it is. I really <laughs> hope so. I really hope so. Um, and then this, uh, what's happening in this pretty much? He's mentioning, uh, someone died. No, his, uh, oh, well, like, uh, he's mentioning that how, like, another person returned from the back, uh, back from the dead this week because the last time they were talking about how, like, a lot of, uh, people have been coming back that they thought were dead and they're not, and they're trying to hint at the resurrection protocols and all that kind of jazz. And, um, this is now him speaking from a personal point of view or whoever they are. They're saying, oh, hey, my mom is back. Like, my mom came back, essentially. I thought she was dead. And apparently my sister had administered Krakoan medicine to her and didn't even tell me about it because they were afraid due to my my loyalties and my position in the in this government bo- this government organization that I right. would be object to it. And it actually, since she did it and went through with it, his mom came back from the dead, literally went to his house, knocked on his door and said, hey, you know, I'm alive. And he had already thought she was dead for a year. Or they, or whoever they are, thought that they they that the mother was dead for a year now plus. So it was kind of a shock. And then on top of that, they now comment and said like, you know, hey, I, I know it's not for me to say, but this may or may not impact my loyalties. And I know I can say as much as I want, but it's up to you know the heads above me to decide if I'm I'm appropriate for this position. But aside from that, then they go into discuss- discussing and what's going on with the, the drug trade. And they talk about uh, Midapore and how um, Homeness uh, Verendi is back in operation again. That uh, anti-mutant organization that we've heard mm-hmm. about before, which is a much better name than Xeno in so many ways. <laughs> we are Xeno and we yeah. look like fake owls. We're peacocks. We're, We're peacocks. Peacock. We are peacocking as you know, and they talk about how like uh, the the Hellfire the the Hellfire brats are going into operation with a uh, kid uh, Kilgore and other members, and how they're acquiring uh, the Krakoan drugs and cyanide as well mm. in mass quantities, which they mentioned that as well. And they said that you know these kids have no power except they're really vicious and have billions of dollars. Watch out, maybe you know. They they should be of uh, of note of interest moving forward because they're clearly trying to shake things up in the, in the paradigm that uh, the the Hellfire organization is trying to do versus this new Hellfire club. And he kind of touches about how they were around in the past and that there are other pre- they were members of their own Hellfire club before all this stuff started popping off. And that's pretty much the gist of what he they're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it also notes that I'm also going on a vacation to go visit with my mom and, you know, spend time. Let me know how to proceed after this or if I'm being replaced. And uh, then they mentioned that there, there was uh, the Five Nations, uh, the Five Eyes Nation. Five Eyes now, Nations. Now, I, I don't know if that's a specific thing that they have in the Marvel mythos, but in the actual like mythos of life, uh, non-mythos, the reality of life. The, I know the Five Eye Nation, the Five Eyes Nations, is a surveillance uh, organization that's run by Australia, Canada, New Zealand, United Kingdom, and United States. What they are in this, I don't know. 
I don't know if that's the same thing. I don't know if there's a different one, you know, if one of them is Wakanda, you know, or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, is Asgard one? Like, how does this work? But, uh, yeah, but that's to be noted that, that a lot of their information they've been getting about what the new Hellfire Club is doing, these Hellfire Brats, and the shit going down in Middapore, they are, they're getting this from the Five Eyes Nation's uh, intel. I never heard of this before. That's interesting. I had heard of it through government organizations, but I've never heard of it in comics. And that's why I was just like, is this the actual government version? Or, yeah. or is this the, like, their weird one? Yeah, there's no Marvel-specific Five Eyes Nations that shows yeah. up in Google, at least. So yeah. it's probably just referencing the real Five Eyes Nations. That's what I assume. Unless the Latvia's on there, you know. <laughs> or not Latvia. Uh, uh, Latveria. Latveria, Latveria. Yeah. <laughs> Latvia is a real place. Latveria, not so much. <laughs> it's real only to Doctor Doom. <laughs> there could only be Doom. Yeah. A Doom. <laughs> uh, but we go to Madripoor and we see Bishop do his finest Batman impression. Yeah, he's he's going crazy on those uh, Madripoor roofs. He's he's just jumping from roof to roof. With that moonlit background. It's total Batman right there. <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, he's pretty much like... Uh, talking to this kid. To try to get information more or less. Yeah, because the kid's like a, a child militia. So yeah. he's, part of, he's a part of what's going on. And he's pretty much putting his his emboding presence... Like in the face of the kid. Like just like, hey, you know, tell me what's going on. And he speaks... Uh, Malay, Malay, Malays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Malay. Yeah, so he's um he's communicating the kid in his language that he can understand, and like he's like you know hey what's going on, and the kid just pretty much opens up right away. He's just like you know hey, you got to kill a mutant. If you do, you take it to this place over here, and you see the verandi, and they and they will give you they will give you money. They'll make you rich. They say bring a dead body of a mutant, and they're paying top dollar. So you know that's what we're out here trying to do is we're trying to make money. And, you know, Bishop's like, not tonight, kid. Like, stay off the streets, get out of mm-hmm. the docks. I'm going to pay you to go home. And he fucking, you know, pays the kid. Pays him off. He buys him off. And he says, let me kill no mutants tonight. And the kid bounces. Kid bounces. Uh, and then we see kind of the, uh, the what is it called again? The upstart kind of on fire, right? Yes. And it's it's kind of it's it's pretty bad. And uh, Bishop and uh, S- Bishop and Storm are kind of like they're kind of putting it together that like whatever this Verendi is putting money together to get people on the streets to kill mutants. Um, it almost seems like uh, there's a system, and I forgot which part of the which country it was, but huge. I think it was like a snake issue so they like put out a call to like hey if you kill snakes to bring the population down uh you could you could do this and it turned out that people were like just farming and harvesting snakes just to get money and like going against the system type of situation that's, I, what, I, that's what i feel here i know that there was that whole thing about that uh the snakes being driven out of ireland and all that stuff Ooh, uh, okay yeah yeah but I, I don't know if they paid them to do that. I know that. Wasn't that what uh, St. Patrick was like famous for? Did he drive all of the same? Like, was he the same? A famous saint of like kicking the snake, snakes the fuck out of Ireland? 
yeah. I don't know, something weird like that. I'm fucking up snakes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's your religious uh, talk for the day right there. Uh, now I can think of it as an episode of The Simpsons. Uh, wait, which one? Don't you remember the one with the uh, Whacking Day? Oh, Whacking Day! They don't play that one that often. Yeah, I do remember that right. one. That's a, that's an old one. That's a good one. That's cla- that's back when they're good. Yeah, that's classic Simpsons right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had Barry White come out, and he he's like, "We'll, we'll lure the snakes over with the sexy sound of my voice." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, but yeah, apparently uh, Madripoor used to be uh, pro-mutant and now because of uh, essentially what Hominus, uh, Hominus Verendi is doing, the, this whole whole uh, putting a hit on the mutants essentially uh, is kind of turned that, that relation on its head. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. So uh, they're kind of like, all right, we need to go help them. So Storm, do your thing. Um, she seems to do some type of uh, lightning strike to distract and take down some of the men. They rush to the boat. Uh, how Bishop gets on this boat so fast, I don't know. I never know. Sometimes comics cuts away and you know, they're just all like, they'll never know. We cut away. But I know. I know. I have these questions. I'm like, no, you can't jump like Storm could fly. Fuck I, you, Ryder. Fuck you, Dugan. All right, he, I, he took the stairs. I thought the same thing as well. I see that there's like kind of a gust of wind coming up from underneath Storm. But it's focused on her. And Bishop is in, like, a juxtaposition to it where he's not even interacting with it. So it's like, how did he get ahead of her on the boat? I mean, what is he, like, Batrock the Leaper? Like, he's just real good at jumping or something? I don't know. (laughs) They said Pete Wisdom was good at jumping, but, man, they're wrong. (laughs) Bishop. Bishop the dude. Yeah. And he's just like, yo, who's here? And we get a voice from the inside. And he's like, thank God. And then he looks inside, and there's just a bunch of, like, uh, mutant refugees. And then we got Shinobi Shaw looking like a, a, a poor motherfucker just hanging out with the refugees. Yes, we're just down this whole home together, man. I don't know, I don't know what's going on out there. They slapped me a bunch. I don't know. I'm too, I'm too fragile for this. I'm way, I'm way over my head here. I don't want to die again. <laughs> I'm put fingers in my head. They waited until I loaded on the mutants, and then we offloaded the drugs, and then they struck, man. They struck hard. Game over. Um, and then pretty much he mentions that they were using some power dampening gear. And, and, they're, and like, they're like, what are you like, talking about? What are you talking about? And they look over, and they're like, oh, yeah, all right. I get it. With what appears to be, I know it's not on purpose, but one really generic dude and a bunch of clones. If you look at their faces, they literally have the same fucking same face. face. Yeah, I cannot believe that is that lazy of like writing where you're just like, here's Super Joe, every guy. And I'm like, what? But see that it's Russian tech. They didn't say Russian people. They said Russian tech. So if they're the Madriporian people, they're pretty Sweet. ethnically diverse. Yeah. And I feel that they're still portraying them as the same Russian guys that Kitty and uh, Colossus dealt with. Exactly, exactly. Which, which is not true at all and is super lazy in, in in your own story. This is this isn't even like X-Men canon now. This is your like isolated 
Marauder's story, and it's like you're gonna is, is every henchman that wears the Russian anti mutant tech gonna look so, exactly the same? Like Russian dude, yeah. Yeah, like did the dudes come with the tech? It's like, well, no, we're giving you the tech not to use. The dudes go hand in hand with the tech. It's sealed <laughs> on their body. They can't take it off. Like, no, it's just a part of them. They're like cyborgs, man. We're we're letting you the cyborgs, you know. <laughs> But you know this this scene was quickly overshadowed by this really badass moment where they're like, oh, yeah. "Unless you intend to fight us powerlessly," and I love Storm just with the knife right away, like, oh, "You man. think I'm powerless, motherfucker?" Yeah, this face she makes too when she says that when she says you yeah. think I'm powerless, just savage. And I she like goes that. In there. Yeah, and then she just gets in there and stabs this motherfucker in the eye. Which but... is crazy. and that's a long knife. Like I feel like that would kill him. That should kill him if you keep diving in. That's like more than halfway into his skull. Like her whole approach of like we're not supposed to kill humans or the mutants approach of not to kill mutants seems like it's getting weighed real heavily right here. It's <laughs> getting it's every issue. I'm just like, is did you kill him? Did you like, is how, this not a death? How do they survive from that? Yeah. Like how does a person who gets all their limbs chopped off not bleed out? Like, I don't understand. I feel like we're not acknowledging the the reality. Like, we're we're walking the fine line of, like, oh, we're not supposed to kill humans anymore, but look at us. We're essentially killing humans, but we're, quote-unquote, not showing them fully die. But logic would indicate that they're dead. That no exactly. one would survive that. A normal human would not survive that kind of wound. You just yeah. Wouldn't. And if you they just... do, if they do, at least three of them died of, like, depression... Yeah, and like killing themselves like years or later. The pain would put you in a shock. You could die from shock. You could die yeah. from shock, yeah. Yeah, most people don't. They don't die from like losing all their limbs. They die from the shock of losing all their limbs. Just the pain that hits them so hard, their heart gets out, or their brain hemorrhages. Like this is just kind of weird. <laughs> but I get it. It's like they're pirates. They got to be aggressive and violent, you know. And and that's accented by the point of we cut to the the Hellfire Brats and they're just like yeah look at it it's all the all the violence is going off and we're kids and we're enjoying violence I wonder if that kid is drinking like wine or if that's just like cream soda <laughs> he's a kid right what is he drinking yeah. what is this motherfucker drinking ginger ale yeah he's got some Schweppes <laughs> hey man I love Schweppes so more power to him if he's getting down. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, and we get we see the uh, the Hellfire Brats just kind of like watching watching as this all kind of takes place, right? Reveling in it, reveling in it, like being pretending like they're moving chess pieces around, more or less. Yeah, and which is played out more in the next page where we get the breakdown of their their the Hellfire Brats' club, the their organization of a uh, hominis verendi. Yeah. And we get, uh, we kind of get the breakdown of Hominus Brandy, and we get, uh, kind of, uh, the white king and queen, right? And we get Wilhelmini, uh, Will, Wilhelmina Kingsington, and Emmanuel and, and, and Duque uh-huh. as the white queen and king. We get the black. Which is confusing because the paradigm they use in the other Hellfire Club is there's just one leader for each. There's exactly. One king or one queen. So the fact that there's two, I'm just kind of like, uh, this is weird. It is weird. Yeah. And then they got the black king, Cade Kilgore. Yeah. Uh, and his stockpile of cyanide. 
and stockpile of cyanide. Because he's yeah. so menacing. <laughs> and then <clears throat> we got uh, the Bishop Chen Zhao, which uh, we kind of figured out last issue when she kind of went to them for help. Uh-huh. As the white bishop. And uh, the black bishop is Maximilian Frankenstein, which I am not familiar with. There's another one of the, the, the Hellfire Club brats. Right. Which is confusing because then why is he a bishop and not like the Red King or something? Like, I don't understand. Right. Is this, this is, or this diagram just gives me more questions and less answers. Because then you go down and it's like, okay, well, some people are doubled up and then some of the other people seem to be below some of the other people at the top. But then there's like night vacant like titles at the bottom. And I'm like, okay, well, wouldn't just some of the other people at the top just get shifted down to those titles? Like, wouldn't Chen uh, Chen Zhao be, like, maybe a knight, and then, like, one of the other two at the top go down to bishop, like how Maximilian Frankenstein did? I don't know. This is really confusing. (laughs) Right. And then the knight titles are vacant. 100%, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so... As that's happening, you know, uh, we got, uh, we cut to Kate and Pyro that are kind of, you know, doing their own thing, right? Because, you know, portals and shit. Exactly. And uh, more or less, they're kind of uh, just uh, out to sea. And uh, all of a sudden, like, she's like, something's wrong. And she looks off to the left, and all of a sudden, a boat's coming, like, straight towards them, more or less, right? It's like, what was the point of Pyro for being the lookout if Kate is freaking... Right? Like, like Shadowcat's trying to, like, you know, just get the boat through the waters and keep it afloat. And he's supposed to be the lookout, and it's like, dude, turn around. Like, why are you standing to one side, like... Make your make your 360 degree rotation happen, because Kate is just like, oh fuck, we're about to get we're about to get breached. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, oh crap. And then as this happens, she says, "Hang on," and she essentially uh, uses her powers to make the boat go through her boat, which is interesting. Have you seen her powers used on this grand of a scale? Oh yeah, Joss Whedon. Just Whedon's around. Gifted? Yeah, gifted. Yeah. She phased the giant metal bullet that was meant to destroy the Earth. She phased through right. it and then phased it through the planet. And because she phased through that and it was so big, she couldn't unphase. And it caused her to just float through the universe forever until Magneto was just like, I'll bring you back. Because he, he just sat there, meditated, and felt out into the universe and tracked down that source of metal and brought her back. And then she couldn't unphase for a while. And then they eventually fixed her. Which was a weird arc for her afterwards. The arc building up to it with Joss Whedon writing was good. After that, it was a little weird because then they just kept her in a tube and they were just like, here's Kitty in a tube. Look at her. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is probably a little easier than that whole Earth-sized bullet. Still looks like it's difficult, though. She does look like she's struggling. She's sweating pretty hard on that brow. Oh, Yeah. Um, and as this is happening, we get Iceman. He's like, good job. Good job. Not even him's paying attention either, because as this is happening, he's like, oh shit, something's happening behind me. And uh, as this happens, we get two men coming out, Hominus Verandi 
and we get Iceman just thwomped on pretty much like a like a Mario like Mario's fifth and sixth life, or like a Hulk smash kind of a moment. But instead of saying oh, Hulk kind smash, of, yeah. the dude literally says Hulk Verde. <laughs> then the other guy behind him, is smaller, is like talking, and he and the Hulk Verde. And then the other guy in front of him is just literally like Hulk Ring, dude. <laughs> Smash. I imagine they're like, all right, I'm going to give a huge speech, you know, and then you wait for your moment and you come in. And he, like, halfway through his speech, this guy just came in. He's like, hold us for Ridby. You didn't even wait for my speech, damn it. I was I had a thing prepared. You didn't wait. Yeah. Just bad teamwork. Yeah, humanity, humanity will never yield to this junk, this gene junk. It's mankind first. It's. It's Hobbiter's Verinder! <laughs> it's like, oh man, dude, I was building up to something. But yeah, what he said. <laughs> and then the issue ends. And then the issue just ends. Right as it gets good, the yeah. issue fucking ends. And, and I was it. Yeah. I was confused. I was like, wait, what, what did I miss? Hold on, wait. There's more here, right? There's gonna be... Nope. It's done. No more. That is the end of the issue, folks. Um... What did you? What was any any good moments? Anything you stood out to you? Not really. There was nothing that stood out to me. I'm I'm kind of sad that this was like such a build up to like action, and then we got no action. I mean, like Iceman's B hole got more action than we did in this fight. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Which is weird because it seems like they're trying to build him and Christian as being. He kept referring to him as darling and dear, like they're a relation. They're in a relationship. And, like, they're together now. But wasn't it, like, the last issue, Iceman just macking on, like, dudes in, Some like... random-ass dude and wherever like, they were. Right? I know, weren't they? Yeah. And something like, yeah. So I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I don't understand. I don't get it. Like, the, this, I feel like they're trying to shoehorn Iceman's development into any situation they can with anyone that they feel would work. And they're just trying to heighten up his character identity. And I'm like, that's weird. And Kitty's development was also kind of weird, like just her her approach to like Emma Frost and their and their like burgeoning like development of characters or their character relationship. It's so I didn't like any of that. Didn't feel right. Like I, I like what they were doing with Kitty in the beginning of this uh, with Marauders and how they were building yeah. new, of this kind of swagger pirate. Now they're just making her into this weird ditzy daughter of Emma Frost. And she's like, all right, mom, I'm gonna go out there do pirate stuff. Wish me luck. She's like, sure thing, dear. <laughs> And then they've they've doubled down on the one dimensional presentation of of, of Sebastian, so he's he wasn't really paying off anything at all. They did kind of build on a Bishop. They're trying to make him more into Batman. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, that's that's new. The dude with the super leap, like you know. But then then they have these one dimensional Russian characters returning as villains, even though they're technically not supposed to be Russian. So I don't I don't know. I, this was not only was this my like least like of of the Marauders issues, but it felt like it was one of the weaker just in general X Men issues of the of the Dawn of X series. Yeah, and, that, and that's unfortunate because Marauders has been good. I'd like yeah, it has been. I've enjoyed it. It's it's usually in the top three, but now it's like, dude, you're falling behind Excalibur, buddy. Like that's crazy. <laughs> Then Excalibur's ahead of anyone on anything in any history we've ever existed in. No. <laughs> this is truly the strangest timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Some would say the darkest. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I like... Uh, no. No. I don't know. I didn't like it. I didn't like that much. 
that swank ass piano in that that boat and that in that sub. That's yeah, nice. and, they're, and they're super gaudy, like uh, uh, I guess you could say meeting room for the the Hellfire members. Oh yeah, their, their meeting bluff. <laughs> I mean, that part was kind of the coolest part, where I was just like, I like that they live in their own little castles right there, and then they have this really dope meeting area. Like that's cool. I enjoyed that, and like the fact that Christian like put it off so he could. <laughs> He could like you know bugger into like Iceman, <laughs> mm-hmm. so that was funny. I liked that, but then the rest of it was just like, eh. even like the little the the little X desk, like that little nod where I'm just like, that was weird. The dude was like, or the whoever the narrator is for that is like, hey, my mom's back, so I'm going on vacation, and I'm like, aren't you like a specific government organization that's on an alert right now because of what the mutants are doing? Like, can you really go on vacation? Like, wouldn't they just fire you? Like, like we need someone twenty four seven to be on this mutant problem because it seems like it's a united it's a United States organization because they mentioned before that the X desk exists in other go- uh, government facilities yeah so that the X desk is just another branch of like the United States government just like they said that the British Secret Service and MI6 had had their own X desk that they reported to or had report to them so I would feel that, like the one person that's staffing this them going and and they mentioned before staffing issues were a problem yep. they're like I'm just one person and now this one person's going on vacation? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know. I mean, I get it. In the greater X-Men mythos, you can fuck with the canon. It seems to happen. And there's a lot of, like, loose ends and stuff. But how are you going to have all these loose ends and inconsistencies in your own series? Like, your own issues? Like, how is Marauders that's only on... This is issue five. You've established things over the last five issues. How are you already fucking those up? Like, I don't understand what what Dugan's doing. Like, I feel like he's writing like how Bendis writes, where he's just like, dude, I don't even care. Like, whatever canon even I set up, I don't even give a shit about. So I'm like, what? Like, so why am I supposed to care now? Like, I don't, this is just, this is not a good sign. Hopefully this is just a lull in the, in the Marauders and we'll get back to good Marauders after this. But I'm it's this kind of started to seem like a progression they're taking over the last two issues. Though, like I said, last issue was great. So even though the progression yeah. was there, it didn't it didn't fall like this one did. This one was like a plummet. Yeah, it definitely fell off. Uh, kind of how Excalibur did a few issues back. Where he's just like, all right, come on, guys. Get yeah, they, something. They, 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 they drag on Excalibur, but still, I enjoy it. Like it's even though it's like okay, the, this is dragging on. You have Apocalypse in the forefront doing his thing, and all the weird stuff popping up from that. You have all the magic that's like crossing over into it. It's interesting enough to keep me still going. Whereas yeah. this is like where they're literally fighting the Russian villains from the first issue again, and they're not supposed to be. They're literally supposed to be. The actual Midipor, um, Magiporians using, yeah. using the tech, but it's not. It's the Russians. They they are. They look the same. I even pulled it open and went back and looked. And I was like, "This is the same guy. This is the same fucking guy." It's like they did it. They used the same like animation cells and just you slapped them on this and told us that it was the Magiporians in the in the armor, and it's not. So I'm just like, "Holy shit!" And I find the the hellfire uh brats the uh the hominis verendi like their organization just not threatening i find them gimmicky and un uh, just like too 
they're too tongue in cheek. They're just like, look how like shocking and, and brutal we are and we're children and and we drink and smoke cigarettes and and we just want to do bad things because <laughs> because that's what we do we just want to be smoking with cigarettes and doing bad stuff <laughs> it's like all right whatever like this isn't threatening i don't feel any weight behind your fear i feel like you're just kids that are going to get spanked and thrown in your room and that's it there's going to be there may be one moment where you're just like oh they did something fucked up but i really feel like the x-men and the mutants in general are going to get through it without a problem because there's just no weight to their their threats and their their emboding um, presence that's coming. Like there doesn't feel like there's a lot coming down the road with them that that we should be worried about. We should be concerned. I feel like those old ladies were more threatened. <laughs> the the horticulturists is that what they were called, right? Yeah, horticulture or whatever they're called. Yeah, they those people felt more badass and more threatening than these kids are. And those ladies were geriatrics, but at least they put they put weight behind what they were saying. Like I haven't really seen. So they put some hits out on a on a mission and on the mutants. I mean, and they and they cause Shinobi Shaw to like cower in his ship. It's like all right, whatever. The dude hasn't has only been revived for so long. It hasn't shown us anything crazy. So it's like I don't feel that that's like a big surprise. Like if he had came back, done something badass, and then these kids turned him into a whimpering coward. That would have been something different, but instead it's like, oh, he's back, and now he's a bitch, and eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not excited with where Marauders is going, and I'm definitely not looking forward to the next issue. But I have hope that maybe it'll change. We'll because see. Kitty's badass; she's been badass in this. Like, Kate Pride can't be stopped in her. It literally can't be stopped. You, you put a ship in front of her, she'll phase right through. <laughs> yeah. I want exactly. her to phase through this bad writing, and like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but that'll do it for us this week. Uh, next week or next issue, we'll get into um, Excalibur issue number. No, yeah, Excalibur issue number five. Yes, yep, that is the one. But uh, until then, until next week, remember, remember, folks, the robots will kill you. So go 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 get on a boat and have some fun. Or the techno organic virus. Either one. Or of the techno one of them's gonna kill you. So yeah. I mean the robots are gonna spread the techno organic virus. So you know, do what you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> See you next week, folks.